0: Hey, this is Josh Kennedy from Radical Leftovers. You're listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio.
1: Wanderers to another mind-fucking episode of Misery Point Radio. Appreciate you grabbing your ankles and taking the corn cob with me here in the wasteland. It's always good to know you're not totally alone when this shit hits the fan. I guess that's why they say misery loves company, right? But hey, it's not all doom and gloom, death and destruction, or agony and despair. I'd like to think of our time together as a bright spot in the universe, a place to celebrate the awesomeness, and an oasis of solidarity in a desert of audio diarrhea. I know I'm a fucking poet and I weave the word magic. It's a gift, what can I say? Today's guest is an old friend of mine from way back who goes by the codename Josh Kennedy. He and I were both a part of the multifaceted Kitsat music scene from the early 90s on and our paths often crossed at various shows, neighborhood hangouts, mother's houses, cult meetings, support groups, and bail bond offices. And after a long break from the band scene and a possible stint in Witness Protection, Josh has reemerged once again with a new band called Radical Leftovers and a new music venue that is promising to bring back the glory holes, I mean glory days, of a once thriving local music scene. Josh and I rambled on about all kinds of cool shit. The good old days, our early bands, musical inspirations, and some memorable shows. And of course, we dove into his new band, his new venue, his upcoming podcast, his record label, and his plans for the future of musical domination. Even though Josh and I don't get to hang out as much as we did back in the day, mostly because he's always traveling the world. Sitting down with him here in the Misery Point radio studio brought back a ton of memories, and the garbage literally started pouring out of our mouths as soon as I pressed record. So I'm excited to share this episode with you all, especially with those of you who are still a part of or have knowledge of the Kitsap music scene. So put down that electric toothbrush, pull your pants back up, and check out this conversation with a true American icon. Buckle up, bitches. Hey Josh, welcome to the show, brother. It's about time we finally made this happen. Glad to have you here in studio.
0: Thank you very much, Mike. I'm glad to be here.
1: (laughs) We got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I think uh, you and I have been in Kitsap County for about 150 years, and uh, there's just so much stuff to talk about with history, of course, with the bands and and your contribution to the music scenes and all the cool things that you kind of uh, have Coming down the the pike, as well as just some some random awesomeness. So, uh, so I'm super stoked to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, we both kind of, you know, whether being working together on something or just in the same circles, you know, for like 30 years or something like that.
1: Man, yeah, so. I feel really fucking old. Actually, but, you
0: know. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into it, but I'll I'll tell you how. You played a part in my involvement in this music scene.
1: Oh, my God. Pitter-patter is going <laughs> my heart. So, uh, you, know, you know, I was talking to uh, my wife, Marsha, who's uh, viewing there from the stands, if you will. Um, we were talking about kind of, you know, h- how do you know Josh? And uh, it's kind of one of those complicated stories with musicians in this area. It's like, do you ever really meet somebody for the first time as you're just in a crazy spot? I mean, there was a high school... We had a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah, we were all musicians. We were all playing in bands. We all ended up at each other's places. There was the pad. There was the tilt. There was all these <laughs> nickname. I think Gabe's oh, place man. was the tilt. The tilt. Um, <laughs> and then the place that uh, that you had uh, with Shein, Um and that that cool kind of basement setup that uh, that I hung out with Claw at uh, quite oh, yeah. a bit. And I, I think uh, so. It's kind of hard to pinpoint an exact time when you and I met met but we've been friends forever yeah yeah, it's it's kind of crazy
0: yeah that's how that you know i just i went to my first local show and i just kind of just became involved in that scene like instantly and uh it just seemed like all everyone in that crowd was just my friend at that point you know and they whether we actually like you know hung out you know outside of that you know that was very few people, but you know, it just seemed like a a, a community, and uh, everyone was just like um, always supportive of everybody. So it kind of just felt like a a little family, instantaneously kind of thing, you know. So I was like, oh, Mike Peacock, he plays in Disembodied. I'm friends <laughs> with that guy this guy I just saw your band, you know, and your homies with my homie, so.
1: Yeah, you know back back then the scene was really cool because it was uh, it was not so fragmented as as things have become but you know I remember the the early kitsap scene and of course it was around you know far longer than I I was. It's been around forever. But at that kind of the, the cool era of like that early to mid-90s especially, I mean, I think there was there was a bunch of metal bands. I mean, there was Us, you know, Disembodied and Griswold, and then there was Endless Descent and Darkness and uh, In Memoriam and Ambivalence, and then of course, there was all the punk stuff with like Jack Trippers and, of course, Spud Boys. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, American Icon, still one of my favorite uh, bands from Kitsap, nice. and um, got who else? MXPX was, was just getting... Going um, back at that time. In fact, you remember, were you at that show at the Jackson Scout Hall? Uh, it was like, save the Scout Hall. And like MXPX had just got signed to Tooth and Nail. And so we played the show with them. And it was like, I think the dead
0: clerics. Um, I didn't go to that. But um, I know I have, I I can see the flyer in my head. Yeah, And uh, I don't know why I didn't go. Because I was like right around the time where I was getting involved in all that. Maybe I was, you know on the other side of town drunk or something <laughs> couldn't get a ride or whatever but no it's like not long before that was my first show down there and it was magnified plaid yeah mxpx and endless descent jack trippers and plaid wednesday yeah who were like an alternative band who are still a band actually but they go by the name quick to blame oh yeah and uh, they've had some different members but the th- the three core guys are still there you know but uh but that was like the show that introduced me to everybody like it's weird like all those bands that played that first show i ended up playing in bands with at least one member of every band on there except for mxpx but uh i don't know it was a trip like how like i was saying i just went to a show and all of a sudden i'm friends with all these like a (laughs) hundred new people like instantaneously it was uh pretty cool
1: yeah, I think there was definitely uh, more of like a a brotherhood feel back in the day. Yeah, where it was it was you were by default you were friends with somebody, even if some of them were shady motherfuckers that you would have never associated with in your life. Yeah, yeah. You, f- <laughs> <laughs> you found yourself being friends with them and hanging out at the clubs and you know the old I remember the East Side Tavern, um, which was a place to be until that fucked up stuff with Darren happened. Yeah, and. and uh, you know, and then that evolved into, you know, the Manette, which is still going, but it's, it's kind of, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, you know, with the, the scene is it kind of, it went stagnant for a very long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's currently under some revitalization, but, um, yeah, I do every time I have a chance to talk about those, uh, particular, uh, shows in that time frame, I do get, I do get very nostalgic because for me, I think that was hugely formative, um uh playing playing live music at that time of course uh and doing recording and and playing shows and just and hanging out and getting down to uh not so legal shenanigans and uh doing the vat (laughs) and just all kinds of cool stuff um and of course playing the bayview dome with the battle of bands was pretty epic Uh, i was just talking to marcia about that here uh yesterday i think it was
0: yeah that was actually like i was saying earlier um that was the first live thing I went to in Kitsap was that Battle of the Bands. Oh, that was the first? Yeah, like I was in a class with Joe okay. Kadornas and uh, he was like, hey, you should come watch my band play tonight, you know, and like literally at that point, I'd never heard death metal in my life. <laughs> like, he's like, we're like, you know, like Metallica, but heavier or something like that, you know, because I didn't know what death metal was, you know. And I remember going in there. I think it was on a weekday. Uh huh. It was like a, a Tuesday or something weird, maybe it was a Thursday. But a little Friday. And uh, <laughs> I just rem- I went there with uh, Steve Berta, Yeah. Who was hell into death metal, but like I didn't. I still had not heard it that. At yeah. That and point. his brother Jack. Jack was there too. Actually, no. I went with Jack. But Steve was with him. And that's when I first met Steve, actually. And uh, I think Sean Bedrosian might have been there with us too. But anyway, so I would go in there, and the only person I know there is Joe. And like, I was like, oh, he's like, oh, hey, cool. You came, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I've never, I didn't know that there was like bands around here that sounded like real bands that were just, kids playing in bands. You know, I literally had no idea. Uh, maybe I was sheltered or I don't know, but, uh, I didn't, definitely didn't participate in the, the early days of punk rock in Kitsap County. I just wasn't, uh, knowledgeable about it. like, I mean, I, at that point I was already listening to like misfits and dead Kennedy and suicidal tendencies, uh, just from my skateboard buddies. And yeah. i th- and looking back on it, I'm surprised that they weren't involved in the music scene because they were into all that kind of music, you know, but they maybe they didn't know there was those bands playing either. I don't know. It was weird, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a a different vibe. It was like you're going to a punk show, but you're not. It's not just a couple punk bands. It's like a death metal band, an alternative band, a pop punk band, a gutter punk band, and then they're all friends, right? Which was weird to me because I don't know. Maybe all of my exposure to you know different cliques and you know groups in high schools or whatnot came from 80s movies where <laughs> the punks and the metal guys were not friends right these jock dudes were not friends with these guys but in silverdale and bremerton they were all friends which was really weird to me so i was like oh it's like all-inclusive to anyone who wants to you know come hang out so i was like that really made me feel like oh i can hang out here and you know feel feel accepted you know
1: yeah, i was talking to um to blaine cook actually recently from the accused yeah and we were talking about a lot of those old shows and places like natasha's and you know cafe zoo and stuff like that and we we talked a lot about that how back in the the early days that's how the billings were it was just it was a bunch of random bands thrown together and it wasn't segregated by genres. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, this is the death metal show. So, you know, if you remember those shows like at the, the Sunny Slope Grange, for instance, I, I think I ended up being on bills with MXPX uh, and just a bunch of kind of more punk and pop punk bands than I was on bills with metal bands. Well, because there wasn't any other metal bands. Yeah, yeah. Know, at least in Kitsap County, it was like we were the only ones. Um, so and, and Endless Descent kind of came along, so that was kind of cool. We were like, oh, finally. And you're right, we were all kids, though. I mean, we yeah. were fucking... I don't know, 17, 18, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a, that was cool to see the the mix of crowds. Sometimes it got out of control, especially those Natasha shows, especially when like the skinheads got involved, you know, because that would always wear like everything had spikes on it. You know, and (laughs) they didn't want to just like go and listen. They just wanted to fucking get in the pit and just destroy people.
0: Yeah, just maim whoever they possibly could. And I
1: think back then I must have weighed like 100 pounds soaking wet, you know, scrawny. And these dudes always seemed like they were just fucking monstrous. Um, So those shows, though, those pits at Natasha's got
0: got pretty burly. I remember that uh, getting beat up pretty bad in there. Yeah, even at that first Jackson hell show that I went to, um, there was like. Pretty, you know, gnarly little push pits going on. And I was like, oh, there's that nerd from school that I don't, <laughs> that always like, you know, flips me shit in the hallways. well. I can go in here and I can knock him down and it'll feel good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I did that to one guy and I didn't feel good about it. And so I just kind of stopped participating in the, the little mosh pits because, like, what's the point? You know? With
1: great power comes great responsibility, exactly. Josh. Just because you can crush souls doesn't mean that you should.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just was like, I'm not into the pit thing. It's yeah. just not my – I was, like, more appreciative of what was going on on the stage. You know, like, how can that guy who's, like, Mark Van Wyck. <laughs> our Van Wyke. Sorry. How is he playing that? The kid's like 17 years old and he's just shredding. He was a fucking shredder. And yeah. I was like, my mind was blown. So I'm just watching the bands, dude. I don't want to get violent in the pit. That was my whole thing. It was like, man, I want to be able to do that. You know, yeah. like at that point I couldn't even, I couldn't play anything. I'd never played anything in my life at that point.
1: Claw could shred pretty good too. Yeah. He yeah. was
0: like a natural born shredder.
1: He's got fingers that are like fourteen feet long, though. That guy's just just like all over the front. He's like Jimi Hendrix. Like his span is just monstrous. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we could go on and on and on and on about about the history of the scene, but you know, the reality is, you got to start like myself early on, and and it kind of always stuck with you. But at what point then did you take it from being just interested in music um, to deciding that you, you kind of wanted to get into playing in bands. We kind of touched on Spud Boys and I know that you were in some bands kind of early on, um, but what was your catalyst back then? Uh,
0: there wasn't a catalyst. It was just like from that sh- first show I went to, at Jack- the Jack Trippers and uh, the Jackson Hall and stuff, uh, MXPX. Um, I had met Ryan Elke and we just started like hanging out like uh and then he quit jack trippers like literally like six months after that show or something and then he's like hey i'm going to start a new band with the drummer from endless descent john and i was like cool and he's like you should come play bass and i was like I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and he was like, it's easy, dude. I'll teach you. And I was like, I remember watching him play bass in the Jack and going, I can't do that. Cause like he's Ryan shreds on the bass. Yeah, He's I mean, pretty awesome. He's a very talented musician. Um, so I was like, there's no way I can do that. He's like, you don't have to play bass like me or Matt Freeman. You know, like uh, you can just play this one root note and then we're just playing punk songs. It's easy. Just come here. And he, like, had just written this new song that was going to be, like, our first song or whatever and uh, hands me over the bass and I just played it because it was, actually was really easy, like he said. You know, I was like, oh, that's not that hard, you know. And I was like, I'm never going to try to play guitar, though. There's way too many strings on that thing. <laughs> so um, I was, like, still in my mind, even in my late 20s, I was like, there's no way I could play guitar. Like, but, uh, so that was it. Like, I just, like, figured out how to, play minimal bass and we just started playing shows and I was like, this is cool. I want to do more though. So I like, like just started like hanging out as much as I could. And like, I was like, I want to write a zine, you know? So I, you know, I've always had a, a, a I don't know what the word is, but I've always wanted to write stuff. You know, yeah. I've always been a creative writer. So I was like, I could write a little zine about do some interviews. And I, cause at that point I was like, going over to the, um, the newspaper stand at uh, Pike place and getting like 10 things Jesus hates about you and maximum <laughs> rock and roll and whatever, like punk zines I could find and just eating those up and
1: the rocket and stranger and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I
0: mean, those two, I mean, we could actually get those over here, you know, but now you can't get any of that stuff. But, uh, I mean, I guess online, well, not the rocket. is the stranger even around? Uh, fuck if I know. I don't know either, but, uh, The internet kind of that requires reading. Yeah. Yeah. The internet (laughs) kind of killed all that stuff. But no, I just like immersed myself in that community. Like that's, I don't know. It just was like an instantaneous thing. I was like, okay, I'm in a band. I'm writing a zine. What else can I do? You know, and like, so I started putting on, me and Ryan together would put on our own shows for Spud Boys. You know, we'd go scout out a cafe or whatever or a, a hall, like, Crosby hall out in Seabag or mm-hmm. whatever. And we just started like putting on our own shows and it wasn't really a consistent thing with other bands until much later, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how I got into it. It was just him just going, Hey, come play in my band. You can do <laughs> it too. Which I didn't believe him because like people in bands were famous and successful and cool. And I was none of those things. So I was like, <laughs> but then I was like, Oh wait, I can do this. You yeah. Know? And that's I think that's what it was that made me want to be involved more in the scene was like, oh, I can do this. It's like, you know, that whole DIY, you know, thing. And uh, it's true. You know, you can just do it yourself. You don't need help. Just figure it out. You know, so I liked that aspect of it where, you know you could just do whatever you wanted within that community and everyone kind of was into it. No matter what you were doing, they just supported you. you know? Yeah. You
1: just learn as you go. Yeah. I mean, and nobody even really cared. Like if you were shitty, but had like a somewhat semblance of a talent somewhere, people just, they just gave you all their credit. Like, okay, cool. I'll come check these guys out. Yeah. You know, and it was really cool to, to see bands and to, to go to shows and see people kind of as they were um, getting, I guess, their, their credit due, you know, and to watch a lot of the bands that became successful out of this area um go on to to do some some huge things. I know we've ta- we've brought up MXPX a few times, but you know Death Cab yeah. kind of had their origins here and then of course, you know, accused enforced entry from this area as well and yeah. just just lots of you know quick to blame was uh, was you know uh, they're they're still going like you said, but I think they're called something else now as you were saying, but there was just a lot of those bands that did pretty good. Whatever happened to Bad Juju? Cuz those guys were on fire for a while.
0: Well, the bass player of bad juju plays guitar in my band
1: lumpy yeah fuck off
0: yeah so that's the same thing uh we talked on uh herrera's podcast about he was talking about the first band he ever saw that influenced him to play bass was lumpy like he like because he lived down the street from me heard him practicing in the garage and so anyway he got him his first bass and like showed him some stuff and blah blah blah. but uh yeah he's in my band
2: i have
1: you're blowing my mind right now because I literally had no clue, and we're gonna talk about uh, your band here in, in a few seconds. But, um,
0: dude, that's absolutely crazy. But yeah, they were an awesome band that like sounded like some a band that should be famous. You yeah, know, like
1: well, I mean, they were kind of a Bad Religion. Uh, people used to call them a Bad Religion clone. I don't know if I would have gone that far. But, I mean, there just wasn't a whole ton of other stuff that was influential, I think, during that time frame. Yeah, yeah. And, and punk was in that crazy stage of, was it really punk, like old school, like Sex Pistols, Exploited, kind of shit like that? Or was it kind of moving more into the, I don't want to say commercial, but more, you know, friendly towards the the, the listening audience who were willing to accept kind of the, the stuff with the, you know, the vocal, you know, choral harmonies and things like that. The yeah. power The power punk, if you will. Uh, which we kind of became known for in this area actually was was uh, pretty cool. So yeah, that's just uh, that was just really funny to to see the evolution of, of that sound out of this area.
0: Yeah, um, and that's like honestly still to this day, Bad Religion, you know, Pennywise, all those early Epitaph bands and early Fat Records bands. That's still like my go to genre of music because that's like you know. That's just what drew me in, you know, like was hearing that really fast, like aggressive music, but super catchy, melodic, you know, and I was like, that was like the full package for me. And like, there's some old school punk stuff slash hardcore stuff that I like, but I don't know, I'm just a sucker for catchy hooks and melodies, you know, and like, but I like heavy riffs and fast drums. So that's the perfect combination of those things is that genre of music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know that you've always been, uh, one of the people that I've looked to as an expert in multiple genres of music, especially, um, we'll call it like the non-commercial stuff, the off the beaten path, the underground, you know, the punk, but you also were into, you know, the metal and stuff. In fact, you kind of touched on it a few minutes ago. So, um, I don't even remember how it came about. Maybe it was a Kitsap bands thing or something, but you you had got a hold of me one day and you're like, hey, I'm starting a metal band with Harnet and I need another guitarist. And I was like, who's your other guitarist? And you're like, me. And I was like, you're playing guitar in a metal band? He's like, I'm starting a metal band. And it was like on blackened wings. Yeah, right? Yeah, I believe yeah. that was
0: what it was called. So. It's like a... A one jam thing or something, <laughs> or even if that—I don't even remember. I remember what that came to.
1: Yeah, I remember hauling all my shit over there uh, and jamming, and I think John didn't show up for that thing, and then the guy that you that was singing—I had never met him before. Um, and he showed up like way late so it was just like you and I and you're like okay well let's just start fucking writing songs and you just started ripping out these fucking metal riffs and I was like dude where is this coming from uh that I I, because I did not at that point know you as being able to play guitar let alone play that style of guitar because I knew you as uh, like a vocalist and a bassist
0: yeah I uh going back to my never thinking I could play a guitar thing like when I started putting on shows on, on a regular basis, I was just watching people play guitar every Friday and Saturday night, if not, you know, on a Tuesday also. So a couple times a week I was watching bands play and going that sound they're making doesn't look that hard on, on their hands, you know, like, so I'm like, I could probably figure out how to do that. And so I just would sit at home with my, a little acoustic guitar that well that I still play all like every song I've ever written has been written on that acoustic guitar but I was like I think I can do that you know like <laughs> and a combination of that and listening to uh Slaughter of the Soul by At the Gates though there's some very technical stuff on there a lot of the like main riffs like the intros and the verse riffs are like not that hard. You just got to be able to pick really fast. Yeah. It's it's almost black metal. Yeah. It's not like super techie on the, you know, your, uh, your left hand. So I just kind of figured out how to do it. And not that I'm like some virtuoso or something, but, um, it was kind of came easy, but then I just like. I, w- I always wanted to get better at it playing metal. Mm. And I just got to this kind of threshold where I couldn't get any better. So I kind of just stopped playing metal <laughs> and just reverted back to playing punk stuff on guitar, which I never really had done before. It's like, it's weird. Cause like I played bass in punk bands and then all of a sudden I sang in a punk band and then I started playing metal guitar. And then, you know, I was like, man, I'm just gonna go back to punk. And yeah. like, so, uh, it was actually made it easier to write punk stuff because I'd already learned all these little tricks and whatever in playing metal and kind of just not dumbed it down but just incorporated that into writing punk songs and that's kind of how that happened.
1: I think that was one of the things I liked about American Icon so much was that It had a very punk vibe to it, clearly inspired by some of that old punk. Oh yeah! But it was also metal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was Kevin, right? Yeah. Kevin Carey. That was uh, coming up with some of those those riffs. But it was the perfect combination of kind of some 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 awesome punk stuff, but then some almost thrash elements uh, as well, because it was really fast and it was really aggressive. And and I, I just I always kind of found that that particular project that you did to be one of my favorites um, from that scene because it just, it, it blended those elements so well. And so now we fast forward, uh, you and I both, I think, took a break out of the scene for a while and, and kind of, uh, and now here we are again some years later. But so let's talk about your new project. Let's talk about The Radical Leftovers, which also has some of those same elements that as I was listening to it, I heard some iconisms, but also some of those classic influences as well. So, uh, so tell us about Radical Leftovers, how it came to be, and who's involved.
0: Uh, so, like I was saying, uh, Jason, also known as Lumpy, <laughs> uh, from Bad Juju, and several several other bands from this area,
1: still blowing my mind.
0: Uh, he uh, anyway, he he's in the band, and then uh, Sean Devine and Kelly Pascal, who have been in Brain Sick for like 25 years, you know, uh, they're Silverdale guys, but, uh, they, and they, but they formed the band in Bellingham when they were going, going to Western. And, uh, they did a lot of really cool stuff back in the day, like toured with good riddance and Lagwagon and AFI and stuff. Like they were, you know, they did some cool things in the mid to late nineties. And, uh, anyway, Sean, uh, the singer of, uh, brain sick had moved back. Bremerton, it must have been like six years ago or something. Was that
1: that at the behest of my Carrera singing move to Bremerton to him? (laughs) (laughs) I highly doubt that had
0: anything to do with it. But no, his, uh, they were, him and his wife were living in Seattle and they wanted to move home to raise the kids over here, you know? So they came back over here and uh, I booked, um, Head Honcho and Neutral Boy, I think, and Brainsick at a show at the Manette when I was doing the in-house booking there in like 2012 2013 something like that and uh so we just st- started talking we'd never really met before that and so me and him became buddies and then years later and they hadn't I don't think they'd moved back here at that point but when they did he's like hey you should come over and jam because brain Sick's not not really a band anymore it's like you should come over and jam at my house and this is probably like four years ago five years ago and uh i was like jam what and he was like well you play guitar and i'll uh play bass and i was like i play guitar (laughs) because at that point literally no one but you at that one jam we had or whatever had really ever seen me play guitar because i'd just be on my couch like so i'd never played guitar in front of anybody and uh he's like well i just figured you played guitar and i was like well, I kind of do. So he's like, I got all this equipment. You can just come over here and just plug in whatever you want. And we kind of messed around with that. And uh, so he's like, so I'm trying to get this band put together with uh, Kelly from Brain Sick and you and me, It'd just be you know a three piece. But um, we don't have a place to jam. And I was like, okay. And then literally two years goes by, and he just randomly hits me up one day. He's like, Hey, Kelly built a jam space in his garage. Now we're starting the band. And I'm like what band you know like <laughs> <laughs> he's like our band and i was like sure why not and uh so i just went over there and they'd already had like three or four songs down and uh i was like that's exactly what i want to play you know so i was like um i can play that you know like and uh cuz we all come from the same like like that melodic punk from the early yeah. to mid 90s that whole i guess Epitaph, Fat Records, you know, influence. and they, they, They're they into some more old school stuff that I'm not super into, like Circle Jerks and Black Flag and stuff like that, which I respect those bands and, you know, appreciate what they did for music in general, but they don't have those melodic hooks, you know, and like that's what I want. It was just raw aggression. Yeah, and I was like, I like the music, but let's add some, you know, oohs and ahs over that, you know. And uh, so that's <laughs> what we started doing. And then... Um, we've actually been jamming for almost three years, uh, then obviously pandemic happens. Sure. So no one really knew we even existed, but we're, you know, we took a few months off when the pandemic started and, uh, lumpy quit head honcho, uh, cause he didn't want to commute anymore to Seattle. So sure. then he just ran, he just like, that was his obvious choice. He still wants to play in a band and we already, we need another guitar player cause The stuff we started coming up with was two guitar stuff, you know, or that I started coming up with, Sean, a little bit. And uh, we definitely need another guitar player. So he just, like, became a part of the band, like, just, like, all just I don't know, it just happened. You just uh, absorbed him. Yeah, we just absorbed him from Head Honcho. (laughs) And uh, it fit perfect. Like, he picked up the songs in, like, one practice. And then so I was like, oh, okay, now I have some room where I can, like, you know, throw this little lead riff in or this little, you know, octave part, which they all, they call the no effects part.
1: Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I love, I love the octave chords. Yeah. Uh, They're they're super cool.
0: They add so much like flavor to a song, you know, like you can, you know, have like cool vocal pattern going over just like a four chord, you know, fast punk riff, but you throw an octave between the vocal and that main root riff and it adds life to that song and gives it a lot of character Hell yeah. in my opinion. So that's kind of how it just came to be. And like uh, we uh, took a good break during the pandemic, like everyone did I'm sure. And then we're like, well, we feel okay. You know, let's go back to jamming now, which was kind of a good idea um, that we had all the time off. Cause I was about to book our first show And uh, then pandemic hit and uh, we really retooled all these songs that we had written and made them like 20 times better than they were. So (laughs) I was like, obviously not glad the pandemic happened, but it gave us a chance to, you know, refine our songs and make them the way they were supposed to be.
1: Sure. And I guess from a, we'll call it a listener standpoint or an audience standpoint, the perception is that you guys just came out of nowhere. But as you just explained, that really wasn't the case. It no. just uh, the, the knowledge wasn't really there. You guys were kind of quiet about it, except for maybe your immediate inner circle or something. But I remember seeing a post and it sounded to me, this is how I perceived it. Here's Josh. I'm in a band now and I need a guitar really bad. Who can hook me up with a guitar? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, uh,
0: that was the thing. It was like, um, that was the... Um yeah. What's the uh, word I'm looking for? Anyway, that was like Sean's idea. Oh, you don't have to bring anything to the table. We got amps and guitars here and I, like, you just bring, you know, bring yourself just that's that and it. just show up and jam. show up. And so I did, but then I was like, Oh, this guitar feels weird down. This amp's not loud enough for what I want to do. So I was like, I need to get my own stuff here. If we're going to take this seriously, <laughs> you know, like, so I was just playing on like this little practice amp and Kelly's kids guitar. And it was really small and it looked super weird on me, but I mean, it it got the sound, but I'll just get my own stuff here and got my own, my own gears. Yeah. So, uh, you guys
1: now you're out there, you're playing shows, which is cool. You recorded, uh, a four song EP, uh, which is absolutely awesome. And, uh, I I remember when I, I heard the whole thing at one, cause you had sent me some tidbits kind of early on that was like, Oh, this is really cool. I can't wait to hear the whole thing. And then I heard it. And I was like, this is exactly the kind of project that I would have always pictured you playing in. It's exactly when I think of you, this is the band that I think of you in.
0: Um, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was like, this is like the dream situation for me, you know, like, um, yeah, it's exactly what I wanted to do. Kelly's like, like, I'd say him and Yuri from MXPX are pretty much tied for most badass punk drummer in Kitsap County. Like, yeah. So and you know, drums are everything. I mean, that's the the basis of the the music, you know. And that's what that you know, people comment and they'll go, dang, that drummer's good, you know, he's like his kick drums like the dude from No Effects or something, you know, like and I was like, that's well, that's where we're going for. Well
1: and I was surprised to hear some not overdone, but they're there, a little bit of tasty double bass yeah. Um, to give it a little bit of a metal vibe uh, in, in one of the songs, uh, which was it Darkness? Is that the one I'm thinking of that has that? But uh, it's I just remember thinking, wow, there there is some fucking double bass on there. And there's a couple of not quite blast beats, but some really kind of fast snare work. Yeah. That I thought was really cool. Um, but with the with the pop punk flavor to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He definitely. uh tries to speed it up as possible, as far as possible sometimes. And like, which I'm all for, you know, yeah. like it just like adds more dynamic to the song, you know, it makes it cooler sound. And, but yeah, that guy's like effortless, like punk beats all day and like cool fills. And like I don't know, it's just really cool to, so like a lot of the newer stuff I, I've i been trying to write and uh, it's a little different than stuff that we have recorded that we sure. have heard it's a little more like tons of riffs just thrown together (laughs) instead of more of a, a, a verse chorus verse type song. And sure. So like I'm showing Kelly and like just going, go like this. And he goes, and he, he's a really good guitar player too. So he'll like make suggestions to me too, which is cool to have that kind of relationship with a drummer where he can come up with guitar ideas, you know, and it's worked out really cool on a couple of different parts so far. And, uh, I don't know. It's just really cool having him. I mean, the other guys are great too, but like, you know, he just awesome drummer and Jason's a rad or lumpy. Sorry. is a killer. <laughs> he just writes killer solos. Like we're like, Hey, we need a solo there. And he just like, bam, it's done like instantly. And Sean's like super charismatic, like front man and his bass skills have gotten really, you know, top notch and uh, I don't know. It's just a perfect combo. Like, yeah. I mean, Exactly what I wanted to do for a band, you know, like in my head. And, uh, now I'm like all about it. Like I was like, okay, we're actually good. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, let's do all we can, you know, like, oh yeah, we're all like 50. (laughs) well it's what
1: I refer to as old man punk Uh, just like you know I go out and I go to the metal shows and it's old man metal I mean that's the reality is we were kids when we started playing and we still like the same shit that we liked when we were kids Yeah, and now we're basically fucking grandparents um so yeah (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah it's uh well you know we are so it's um you know it's it's awesome i I love to see it i i am fucking super stoked about uh, this particular project so that being said uh we're gonna take ourselves a quick break and when we come back josh and i are going to talk about his life as a music promoter and his epic new project that's helping to revitalize the Kitsap music scene. So don't you motherfuckers go anywhere, because we're going to cram some radical leftovers down your throat right now. So here it is off the debut EP Demolition. This is Fight or Forgive. We are back. So, Josh, let's talk about your new gig. Well, it's probably not really new, new because you've been kind of mulling around with it for a little while now, but uh, you are back in the promotion business. Now, we touched a little bit kind of in the earlier part of the conversation where you'd mentioned that you were booking shows and things like that. And I remember you booking shows. In fact, as much as I remember you playing shows, I remember you kind of really wanting to be involved in. Getting the scene going and keeping it going and bringing bands together and putting on bills and I remember all the fucking flyers that you used to make and yeah. back, back when flyers were a thing. In fact, you still have a shitload of those flyers. Oh yeah, uh, which is awesome. And then I remember the hole, uh, which was a club that you had um, where you were you were doing your own thing. So kind of uh, tell us about your new gig now, and I guess uh, what inspired you to get back into the promotion.
0: Um i never i don't know i always kind of have done it it just seemed like there's been busier times than others you know obviously it took a good two years without doing any shows at all just because you know pandemic stuff yeah but, uh, um once i saw that, like well, last spring when i saw things were you know opening up and uh uh restrictions were getting a more a little more lax i uh had driven by the old Olympic cinemas, which was now called Tracy the movie house,
1: which back in the day was the Redwood cinemas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which the, the pretty much at that time, the only movie house I think in Kitsap County.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> it, I think it was, um, until like, well, besides Silverdale, like, besides Silverdale. Elmo's and, you know, turf. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, I think there was the, yeah, Silverdale and Redwood. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, back then. But, uh, I just saw that they had a sign out on their um, their uh, their billboard there that said, you know, for for booking, call this number or hit us up on our website. And then an idea just popped up in my head. I was like, I wonder if they could have concerts in one of the theaters in there. You know, I never really thought of that before, just because, you know, movie theater owned by, you know, corporate, you know, I don't think Olympic cinemas was corporate, but. I don't know what was about this particular time that I thought that that idea was plausible. So I was like, well, I'm just going to hit him up and say, you know, what would you guys think about possibly putting on a concert in one of the theaters, you know? And so I did. And they immediately called me right back and they're like, that's actually like one of our main ideas of opening this up was to turn one of the theater rooms into a concert venue. And I was like, Oh, So we're on the same page, you know, and uh, I just went and met with those guys and uh, it just kind of clicked and they're like, yeah, we're going to get a stage built. And, uh, you know, I've honestly I've met. Probably 10 people in my life that have come to me saying they're with this big grand vision for a new venue and they want me to do the booking. Like it's literally happened 10 times where (laughs) I've been taken down this road of, you know, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then literally it's never come to fruition. So I'm taking this all with a grain of salt. Like, okay, these guys have this, you know, plan and I could be involved and they've got all these, you know, great ideas, but let's see if something's actually materializing here. And literally like three weeks after we met, they had a stage built and I was like, Oh, they're serious. You know, like this is a real, a real deal. And so, and this was in the the biggest theater room in the, the Redwood cinemas there or Tracy the movie house. I just always call it Redwood just because the first movie I ever went to was there when I was like six or whatever it was like, Empire Strikes Back or something, you know, nice. I grew up like literally two miles down the road, but, um, I was like, we could do something really big with this place, you know, get like a lot of national acts coming through, you know, and like build it up into something, you know, big. And, uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. Like, uh, got a big PA in, got lights, lights in the Mixing board just came in. So they're building the sound booth. They just put another bar in there. So I don't know if, if you don't know, the Tracy's movie house is on Rydell in East Bremerton. And it's an all ages slash 21 up with ID movie theater, arcade, and concert venue. So it's, there's a lot going on in that building for everybody, you know. So um, the plan is to, Just like try to get as many you know bigger bands in and like hopefully that will like revitalize the local scene that's been kind of stagnant for a while, you know. And I'm not saying that as a um, diss on anybody, but it just seems like it hasn't been too lively, you know, even since uh, the pandemic's kind of, uh, you know, winding down, you know. Even before that, it was just didn't seem like, a lot of like that feeling we had like when we first started going to shows where mm. there's just everybody in the scene, everybody supporting everybody, and I don't know, I just didn't feel it. Maybe I just wasn't going out enough. I don't know, but it felt that way to me. But it just feels like an opportune time to build this thing. So,
1: well, it's funny. I think the timing is great, and yeah, obviously the pandemic took a shit on everything and and put a bunch of things on on hold. At the same time, though, there was a lot of things that were being planned knowing that at some point it's going to end and things are going to open back up not only are they going to open back up but people are going to be fucking hungry like yeah, they're yeah. really dying to kind of get out in the world and kind of have that taste of of you know what 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 they once had so as far as getting back into shows i think that it's a, a prime time and, and an awesome opportunity as you said to kind of revitalize the scene I have felt for a long time that even prior to the the pandemic and the shutdowns, that the Kitsap, specifically the Kitsap music scene, was kind of hurting. And I, I think there was number one a lack of venues that wanted to support music that wasn't like mainstream rock or blues, you know. And that yeah. stuff's all cool because I love that stuff too. Um, and I've got a lot of friends that play in those kinds of bands and everything, but anything for like the harder edge stuff or the extreme stuff, the punk and the metal, I mean, there's nothing around here. I mean, you would have to go into Seattle or Tacoma to play. And even a lot of those clubs ended up closing down and not reopening. So yeah. um, I like the idea that that you're going to be working out of a theater, a historic theater, as far as I'm concerned, um, that, that ranks right up there for me with like the Roxy and the Admiral um, as far as being, you know, notorious places that people know of, and, and that there's been some history and some really cool shows and things like that. So, who have you had a chance to book so far?
0: Um, I have, how many shows do I book there? Oh, uh, so next month, uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket from Laramie, Wyoming is coming through. Who are on Fat Records? Yeehaw! And they're a pretty, you know, big national act that is like still shocking to me that they're coming to play Bremerton but uh uh so i got them and i booked um blistered earth who is the premier metallica tribute act
1: i i, I know them well yeah
0: yeah so i just booked that like the other day i think they're out of Spokane i believe Ugh, get the iron maidens uh that's that email has been sent fuck yeah um i, for, I it's really weird so i'm trying to get tribute acts in Mm-hmm. And have local bands as support, sure, to get them an audience that they normally would not get in front of, you know. So, and I think that is a, a really cool way to build up the local bands, because what what it all comes down to for me is having a a scene that's supported by not just other members of bands, but fans of the bands, you right? Know? So you go to a show at the Manette. Or no dissing. I'm not dissing anyone. This is just my observation. Um, there's not a huge audience of fans coming to shows. It's like two-thirds other bands, one-third fans of bands, you know what I mean? <laughs> and which is great. The bands are supporting their friends' bands. Yeah. That's awesome. But when I really got into putting shows on in the you know early two thousands, it was 99% fans, small percentage, you know, of, uh, other band members, you know, it was like this huge fan base for all these bands that were playing around here mm-hmm. or whatever touring bands I was bringing through. And that was like, maybe I just got used to that and I'm like expecting the scene to stay like that, which I know every it's ebbs and flows all the time. Sure. Younger people grow up and move out of town. People get don't want to play in their band anymore. They move to Seattle or whatever. So you know it changes. But I believe there's enough talent and people around here to sustain a hearty scene like that, where there's a a big fan base of all the bands, plus a lot of bands being creative. You know, and uh, having the talent and um, ability to draw those fans, not just to come party and drink while they're playing, but to really actually appreciate their music and be a fan of their bands, you know? Yeah. And cause that's the way it was back, you know, 20 years ago is like those kids like Kane Hodder is a great example oh, of Kane a Hodder, band yeah. that just started as just some kids in Silverdale and built up a rabid fan base just in Kitsap of hundred, maybe even a thousand kids were huge fans of that band and go to every show they play and sing every word to all their songs. Like I just never really saw that before then, you know, like
1: remember Hester Prynne back in the day, they would draw the
0: big crowds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually never saw them. It was like, they were,
2: you
0: know, disappearing right when I was kind of appearing in the scene, you know? So I never, but I, I hear their name get dropped all the time, but um, I definitely believe it because I do hear their name drop so much that they were that type of band that, I, oh, they're good, and <laughs> we're a fan of that band, you know. And it wasn't just their their peers; it was fans, you yeah. know. And like, I want that again, you know, where not just from a let's make money kind of thing, you know, but money is cool too. You know, who doesn't want to make money at doing something? They or at love? least
1: not just go in the hole. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> trust me, I've done that many times. Like, I, Well, you had a club called yeah, The Hole that you went yeah. in the hole with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I was paying a lot of bands out of pocket there. Yeah. Now, the The skate park guys helped out when they could, you know, which is, they weren't pulling in a bunch of money either. You know, this is all passion, you know. Sure. Everyone just loved what they were doing and doing it for fun but uh, i really i i just don't see why we can't have that so that's why i'm p- getting these tribute acts that people will buy tickets for just out of nostalgia they're like oh this metallica cover band they play all the original the the early albums and that's it you know so like so many people are going to come out to the show that normally wouldn't have gone out to a, a local show at the Manette or wherever or to Charleston, just cause they're like, Oh, it's old school Metallica and they look just like them, blah, blah. And, uh, put a local band on his opener. I don't know who that's going to be yet, Yeah, but, uh, and they're, they're going to go, oh, this band plays around here. Oh, they're good. Maybe I'll go see them, you know, the next time they play down to Minetta or whatever, you know. It's and you know, of- S-
1: Steve Fournier is in several of those tribute bands that have huge draws. I've seen several of, of his shows. Um, that'd be great uh, tribute acts. Uh, I mean, he does like Fever 103, which is you know, like Foreigner and stuff like that. And then Whiskey River, which is like Skinner, which is really cool. Um, he does all kinds of stuff. And then. Yeah, that, I, I think the tribute band idea is great just to draw the crowd in and, and having the, the local openers would be absolutely epic. And hopefully it could be something where, again, maybe we're getting back to the old days of kind of mixing up the genres a little bit.
0: Yeah, like I have no problem doing that. I like to keep it somewhat you know, cohesive as sure. far as the style and sound goes at a show just because I don't want people to just like – walk out on a band just cause like, Oh, this doesn't sound like that last band that I came here for. You know, I don't want to see them, but
1: like the castaways days where we used to clear that place. because yeah. It was like a country bar,
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I'm trying to keep it some somewhat cohesive mm. as far as style goes, just so no one's like walking out. You want to keep people in the place, you know, hanging out, having sure. a good time. Um, so I got, I got those guys and, uh, Actually, a Motley Crue tribute act called Lewd and Crude from Seattle that honestly sounds 50 times better than Motley Crue. Like, they're, <laughs> they're so good. Like I know it's not too hard to sound better than Vince Neil. Yeah, he's pretty but, fucking bad. Uh, but their singer bad. is unreal. And I got a Slayer tribute act coming called Hell Awaits who are – I think they do songs up until Divine Intervention, so everything. Which
1: but, is where Slayer stopped being cool after that album, anyway. So that's pretty
0: much lo- what I, I I agree with you there. So they play all the classic stuff, you know, and uh, then I'm just gonna like put local, you know, locals on. These are not till May, June, July shows. I'm Actually, just booking a uh, a full country bill, country band bill, not bands, or solo artists. I don't know how country works. It's not my thing, but. They just go by like their name of the singer, but there's full bands, sure. you know, just like I guess they're uh, hired guns or whatever, you know, who aren't really like they're not getting paid the full amount as the singer or whatever. But uh country world <laughs> weird, but uh, uh, I come from punk because so yeah. it doesn't compute in my head. And but, there's no
1: money in punk anyway. So yeah. It's yeah. Kinda like-
0: <laughs> There wasn't too much to divide up between. You can share minutes.
1: those four drink tickets.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I I'm just like branching out and like yeah I was like a lot of people around here like country you know and
1: yeah my wife's I mean, a huge country fan
0: the the bill I'm putting together for that is the probably the best like independent country artists in Western Washington at this point. Just cause I'm, like I said, I'm branching out. I'm not trying to just do punk shows just cause I play in a punk band. Sure. doesn't mean, that's all I'm going to book. And, um, so yeah, I'm just like really, I have a lot of drive right now and I'm just really trying to book some really big stuff. So i like every day I go down, um, uh, my Instagram stories or my feed or whatever. And I, Oh, that band, they'd be cool to have here. Go click on their, their website or whatever, find their booking agent and making this huge list of agents to reach out to you know and mm-hmm. uh, so every day i minimum 10 10 emails or calls i'll send out and be like hey we have this theater here's some pictures uh we just got this pa put in we've got so-and-so playing blah blah playing you know and so we're building it up and i know uh, bremerton's pretty out of the way for touring acts but and sometimes you get a better show in Bremerton than you will in Seattle. And I've heard that a lot over the years.
1: And plus some of the old timers are nostalgic and have played in Bremerton and I'm sure would be willing to, to come back down this way, uh, across the water if, if there was a place worth going to Yeah, yeah. everything that I have seen and heard so far points, uh, as that being the new premier place for that style of band to play. Um, so I, I, think that's absolutely fucking epic. I hope that that, uh, garners the support that this community so desperately needs.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the whole plan. Like just build it. You know, that, that me and, uh, if you build owner, it, they will come. Yeah. We, me and Jim <laughs> and, uh, Bernie who are the owners of the theater. Uh, that's what we say to each other. Like, we just got to be patient. We're building, we're building. And if we build it, they will come. Yeah. So, and it's been working so far, you know, like we've done, uh, we did the Prince, uh, tribute act erotic city. Uh, it was a couple months ago now, but there was a lot of people there. And I was like, and I didn't know 90% of them, you know, it's just like people that in the area that want to watch Prince, you know, um, do his thing because the dude looks exactly like him. He sounds exactly like him, you know. And I guess that's the whole idea of the tribute act and people sing along to their old favorite songs. And you know, I I love doing that too. Who doesn't, you know? Hell yeah! And I wish I could support that place with just local uh, original bands or original touring bands, but let's uh, let's get real (laughs) i mean Uh, like the manette uh, gets about as packed as you can get a place with local bands around here and that's only like you know 120 125 people something like that which is still a really good show but in this theater you put 100 people in there and it looks like you know yeah i was gonna ask you
1: what is the capacity that that they'll let
0: you put in there 400 Okay. on the just the theater that we're doing shows in, which is called the Redwood Theater, by the way. Um, So each of the theater rooms have a different name, and the one with the concert venue is the Redwood Theater. It has a 400 capacity right now, but they're doing one upgrade to it to get it to 500 with the Fire Marshal. So in a couple months, it will be a 500 capacity, and we plan on having bands in there That will draw 500 people. You know, that's the whole plan. Like we're building it and they will come, you know.
1: And I haven't been in that theater in many moons, but so the seats and everything, is it so it's going to be like, is there a floor section plus a seat section?
0: Yeah, there's both. So there's, it's just like set up like any other theater, but they'd ripped out all the old movie seats. It's not standard seating because all of the theaters are 21 up. Right um, depending on what showing you're at or whatever. So they made, and they have like a full menu in there too, in the kitchen. So it's like a dinner theater, I guess you could call it. So they put these tables in that have, uh, or seats in that have tables attached to them with like cup holders on the side, like, you know, regular theater, but they're not theater seats. They're like these custom made seats that and tables that they had put in just, it's their style. That's the way they want to do it. Hell yeah. But, uh, so in that particular room, though, which they intended to have concerts on in when they originally started building the place, they left the floor really open and put the seats really far back. So there's a major floor area in front of the stage as well as the seating in the back. So there's tons and the the aisles are like five feet wide. So there's plenty of aisle room for standing, too. So, I mean, you could easily fit 400 people in there and you could easily fit 500 right now it's a massive room it's really big that's so.
1: awesome I, I think that uh, the idea of filling a place like that is just about as exciting as I could possibly think of to get a scene revitalized and it doesn't even matter what kind of music it is really it's just like guys there's concerts and here's a cool place to go and uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's just a uh, Absolutely awesome, and I I mean, I would love to... I'll have to get to a show. Maybe we'll have to go to a a show down there at some time and support this motherfucker, and... uh, I
0: would appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, the next one that we're doing is the Teenage Bottle Rocket show, which is the 27th of March. It's a Sunday, but uh, we're having it a little early. I mean, uh, it's all ages, 21 up. Um, uh, So I think it starts at 7, so... I'm not trying to start at nine o'clock on a <laughs> on a Sunday night, but uh um yeah, it's got a four-band bill. And uh, uh tickets are selling faster than I've ever had tickets sell for anything I've ticketed before. So that's a good sign. Yeah. So absolutely uh, looking forward to it.
1: Well, hell yeah, dude. So back in the band business, back in the promotion business, and now you want to share awesomeness with the world in the form of a podcast that you've had been talking about actually for quite some time now that yeah. I think about it, but it looks like it's actually going to happen this time. equipment is being purchased, yeah, the yeah. plans are being made. So what's <laughs> going on there?
0: Uh, I was I've just been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, and ever since I was on uh, Mike from MXPX's podcast, yep. like. Like it that was like almost a year and a half now. But the
1: aptly titled Mike Herrera Podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> hence the name. Uh, uh, people have been telling me, you were really good on that podcast. You should do your own podcast. And yeah. I... I tell a lot of stories on my Facebook, mm-hmm. some based on truth, some just made up in my head. And people are usually pretty entertained by them.
1: Well, you know, Josh checks in every day from four or five spots all around the world. Yeah, uh, I, like, uh, yeah. I like to... You were in Dubai last week or yeah, something. Yeah, I love that.
0: This time of year, <laughs> D- Dubai is so beautiful. Um, just catching the, some rays on the beach down there. Hell yeah. I fly in, fly out really quick. But, uh uh Yeah. So I just like really been into it. I was like listening to a lot of podcasts that are very, very popular. And I'm like, I'm like way, what's the, I'm trying to say that I speak better than someone and I can't spit it out. But anyway, uh, no, I was like, man, that guy really stumbled on that part right there. Yeah, And I wouldn't have done that. But anyway, uh, everyone makes mistakes. I understand. But I was like,
1: Edit that shit out, though. Marsha and I were just talking about this today, how many podcasts are out there that you're like, this guy makes a living podcasting and it's so
0: bad. Yeah, I was like, why don't they just edit this in post? Like, yeah. But they're leaving it in there. And I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, even if I do flub something sure. or, or the guest does, let's fix it, you know, and put it out professionally, you know.
1: There's something to be said for having a natural conversation, you know, and letting it run its course. But and if you edit it too much, then it's just super choppy and sounds yeah, like shit. Yeah. But, you know, it's like your fucking dogs barking in the background or, you know, your air conditioner is just going crazy or your fans or, you know, you're like, uh, 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 uh every yeah, yeah. 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. So I, I was just listening to those going, man, I really need to do this now. Yeah. I was like, I'm getting old. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's a perfect time. I'm doing all these shows, playing in a band. I've got stuff to talk about, you know? And, um, I just made a post like, I really need to do a, a podcast. And, uh, my friend Hannah, messaged me and she was like, I've been wanting to do a podcast for so long. And me and her are very similar people and very into true crime and music and movies and what, you know, just very similar people. And, uh, we're like, okay, well let's meet up and talk to each other and see if we have some, you know, natural chemistry, just like shooting the shit, you know? Yeah. And so we did. And four hours later, we were like, Oh wow. We would just talked for four hours straight, you know, about all this stuff that we're going to talk about on this potential podcast. Let's do it. You know? So we immediately just started like researching gear. I obviously hit you up to ask what you recommended and all that. And so we just started buying stuff and, uh, we're just going to go for it. And, uh, um, we, we mapped out a bit of a, you know, an outline of how we want things to go on each episode. And obviously we're going to have, we'll have guests, you know, it's not just going to be me and her, uh, kind of like, a she, she equated us to, uh, Fraser and Roz. Yeah, okay. She wants me to be Fraser, and she's kind of Roz, the producer. And, uh, then we have guests, you know, on probably not multiple Collins, like old Fraser had, but, uh, you know, some, that kind of dynamic, you know, where she, she kind of wanted me to carry the show and she interjects kind of like Howard and Robin mm-hmm. kind yeah. of thing. Um, I was like, okay. She's like, you know way more about the music and the, you know, stuff. stuff. So you, I want you to carry the conversation. And I was like, all right, uh, that's fine with me. So we just like came up with uh, some cool ideas and some cool ideas for guests and like different segments and whatnot. And uh, oh, yeah. we're just going to kind of start out getting some local people that are interesting you know that are involved in music or in other forms of art in the area you know it could be comedians or you know thespians at the community you know theater or whatever you know how about crazy
1: cultists that live out like in the woods in seebeck that have churches with like weird animal skulls outside of them
0: I am totally down for that. And I know I've been by those houses.
1: I know. I see those pictures. I kind of want to go there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've driven in some pretty uh, remote areas and seen some weird shit, but uh, no, all that stuff. Like, you know, those are the things that inspire my weird stories that I I come up with. Like um, just seeing something like, like that house with those weird skulls and that demonic creature looking thing. I was like, there's gotta be something to these people, you know, and I'll just like imagine who they are and the whole history of their life and how they got to this point where they have all these demons in their yard or whatever, you know? So, uh, I'm just, one of those sections we're going to have is going to be me like telling a story, a short story. And maybe it'll be, um, like I'll tell one part and then the next, you know, Episode, I'll do like part two or chapter two or whatever. So we're still playing with all of it, but we've got the basic structure outline that we want to work
1: with. Sweet. Sounds good. Quick little rabbit hole. I went to sell a guitar a couple years ago down in Tacoma, and there's a like a rehearsal space kind of down there in the Proctor area. And I drove by this house and I'm looking at this house that's I, I'm, I keep seeing it. I'm passing this place cause it's unmarked like the, the address I can't find it anywhere, but I yeah. keep, it keeps directing me to this house. And so I'm looking at this house and I look in the window and there's literal nooses like hanging. I can see them in the window and um, it, the, the house was black, so it was very much like a Halloween house. Yeah, yeah, And But there was nooses in the windows and nooses in the trees and just these crazy weird like symbols and shit. And I was like, what the fuck's going on in that house? I was kind of scared, so I didn't go in. But <laughs> Yeah,
0: I'm not too much into uh, going into any of these creepy places because, you know never know what yeah can happen. yeah probably
1: not coming back out yeah um this noose is Josh size
0: <laughs> but no there's definitely times where I've seen some creepy things and like wanted to explore further but then probably not a good idea you know like, right I mean maybe that's just my wild imagination and most likely nothing's happened they're just an abandoned old house sure <laughs> there's nobody living in there but I watch a lot of films with yeah those houses where there actually is people in them. So that's all that's going to run through my mind. So I'm not going in, but yeah. I can come up with a cool idea. But it's still
1: inspiring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. gets the, uh, gets the imagination flowing. So oh, for real, this uh, podcast of yours, what's it going to be called?
0: Gnarly times. Oh,
1: fucking gnarly.
0: Hella gnarly, <laughs> radical gnarly. Um, I don't know. We just live in gnarly times. So I yeah. was like, uh, that's a cool name plus i'm like you know really into like 80s sounding things oh yeah radical radical <laughs> yeah and uh gnarly are awesome radical and gnarly are awesome is what i was trying to say um no it's just like we live in some really gnarly times and we're not going to be a very uh political or hot topic kind of you know, this is for entertainment and right. fun. We're yeah, stay doing stay away from all
2: the serious shit.
0: Exactly, we hear enough of that all the rest of the fucking day. So we don't need to. We need. We don't need to contribute to that. Is what I'm, what I'm getting at. So we're gonna not touch on any of that stuff. You know, even if we're interviewing someone, we're not gonna be asking about their uh, opinions on uh, Russia and Ukraine or or you know, anti-maskers or anything like that. You know, right. It's just, we already talk about that. You know, we don't need
1: to. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we need more entertainment. Uh, we need to support the music scene. We need to support the arts in general, which is what I do, uh, of course as well. Oh yeah. Um, because I'm a, I'm a huge believer that, um, you know, the more people are talking about it, the more people are going to listen. I, I just think that that's, uh, that's the way to go. So I'm stoked for you. I hope that all goes well. And I know that you're still early in the planning stages, but, uh, sometime here in the not so distant future, We'll be hearing uh, some stuff from Josh and Gnarly Times. And now you're also doing music licensing, right? You have a record label?
0: Uh, Yeah, I haven't really done anything with it for a while, but uh, probably like eight years ago, I put out a full-length by a Seattle band called Grenades, which was um, ex-members of Kane Hodder and Claymore. And... uh, I uh, had come into some money and I wanted to start a record label. And was, that's was when I was like at the height of my uh, vinyl obsession that I was going through for a while there. And I was like, man, I'm going to start my own label. And uh, so we put that out and then they broke up. <laughs> so <laughs> so it goes. So I have uh, 847 copies of Grenades Heaven is Empty on vinyl if anyone would like a copy for free. Uh, I'll take one of those. um, I'll bring one over next time I come over with that that gift I have for you. And uh, um, so I'm just sitting on those. But then I uh, put out a uh, cassette tape of uh, Lies of Liberty um, by Moss Generator, which is pretty much Tony's um, high school punk band re-recorded by the the current lineup of Moss Generator so it sounds much better than a 1986 hardcore band recording in a shack. So it sounds really good. So uh I got those two that I put out and then uh my buddy Anton who l- used to live here uh lives in Minnesota and he has a band there called the Anchor Windlass and I basically licensed the rights to their 7-inch and their full length and slapped a um Red Cobra Records is what it's called. Uh Red Cobra Records sticker on it. So um this is all relatively recent with that stuff. i am just kind of while I'm revitalizing my career in, you know, promotion and playing in a band, I'm doing the record label also. Uh so I'm uh, kind of busy. But uh I also just was acquired the rights to Himsa's uh courting tragedy and disaster album, which is probably like my favorite, like Early 2000s metalcore album. Actually, I'm not even going to like pin it down to any era. It's like one of my favorite metal albums of all time. Like, it's seriously up there with like Rain and Blood, Slaughter of the Soul, uh, Ride the Lightning for me, like personally. Uh, I just became friends with those guys over the years. Uh, Met Josh, the guitar player at the Manette uh, years ago. We just became buds and uh, just had this wild hair to put that album out on cassette because it was never put out on cassette because no one's doing cassettes back then. But now it's quite the popular thing, you know. And uh, so I just hit up Prosthetic and I was like, how do I get the rights for this? And they're like, well, this is what you have to do. So we just went down the the, the streets and avenues we needed to go down and I acquired the rights. So um just putting that together right now and uh, looking, you know, they're not really a band too much. These days, but they occasionally will uh, just randomly get together and play. But you know, we got the internet; we don't need to have <laughs> them, you know, traveling all about the world peddling their wares. You know, we can just sell it online. You know, so hell yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that's where 99.9% of our sales are going to come from. But I think it'll move pretty quick because that album's pretty iconic. You know, in the the new wave of American metalcore. Scene that happened in the early 2000s to late 2000s. They were a pretty big band in that genre, so yeah. Himsa, courting tragedy and disaster on colored cassette on Red Cobra Records. Look for it. I don't have any specific like release date because it's all like I said. It's all relatively new, new happenings for me. So um, definitely within. 2022, Like it's not, I mean, I'm not going to sit around on this. I'm going to get it done pretty quick. So, uh, yeah, just keep an ear out for it. Um, I don't have any other releases planned. Um, other than like radical leftovers, we'll probably, uh, put our, uh, full length out on my own label, which just internet distro and at our shows, like, I'll you know, try to get it into some stores, you know, obviously, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, just kind of a little side project I've been doing.
1: Oh yeah, right on. That's badass, dude. For sure. Anything else, Josh, that you want to put out there to the world? I know we've covered a lot of stuff today, but any other surprises you've got up your sleeve?
0: Huh? <sighs> no, really? I mean, we did, you know, cover quite a bit of stuff. That's all I've been uh, really doing is um, booking shows for my band. And oh, actually, we are um, going down to Portland in late April to do a bridge city session. Fuck bridge city sessions is so awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. And I'm fortunate that we're, we're fortunate that we're getting a chance to do it. Oh Um, yeah. That studio, everything that comes out of there just sounds like, uh, butter. Mm. Um, it's like butter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the band cigar, Mm -hmm. uh, that I discovered them. Actually, I heard about them years and years ago, but I never listened to them. But, uh, the fibs did a bridge city session. A few I years remember, ago. yeah. So I just started looking on YouTube through all the Bridge City sessions and found cigar. And I was like, I wonder if that's that same old cigar band from you know the late 90s that were like on Theologian Records. And uh it certainly was, and they sounded a million times better. And I became a huge fan of that band and actually uh went and got, you know, some of their you know official releases and that bridge city session sounded 10 times better than their studio and their recording stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, wow, they do a great job. And, uh, they, you get a video, you get a quality audio recording and stuff. And so the recording we're doing is going to be a part of bridge city fest, which is an online fest that they've been doing the last couple of years since people haven't been playing shows. But now everyone's playing shows, so it's not really a thing anymore. But they're still doing it online as opposed to, you know, a live audience, live studio audience setting. So we're just going to record our 20-minute our set. And uh, then I believe it's June 4th and 5th or 5th and 6th. It's a weekend, so uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, they're airing all the bands. I think there's 30 bands, maybe more that uh, are doing sessions either in the Bridge City studio in Portland or in their own recording spaces and then contributing the video and audio and then they're just going to splice it all in there. So that's something cool we're doing. Uh, Pretty stoked about that. Um, Never really got out of Washington to go play a show ever before in my life. So it's kind of a show, you know, it's gonna Hell yeah. It'll have an uh an audience at some point. But uh so I'm pretty stoked about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome, dude. So if people want to buy the radical leftover stuff, they wanna check out your music, they wanna stock you online, what's the best place to to get a hold of that and follow you guys?
0: Uh we have all of the songs from our demo, which is definitely a demo. We, we plan on recording a full length in the fall. It's mm-hmm. kind of the tentative thing. Uh, um, you know, legit, you know, not that the studio we recorded at, uh, wasn't legit, but with a lot more time and effort sure. into a full length, you know, you know how it works. Um, you, know, you can get that demo on Bandcamp, and, and it's know, really good. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, We have all the socials, you know, like and you can uh, stream on Apple, Spotify and whatever other streaming. We did some like package where they just kind of like kind of like with uh, the um, anchor podcast thing where it just puts it out on all the mediums for you. Yeah, they did that for us for streaming services for whatever fee. So anywhere you stream, you can get it. And it's called uh demolition yeah radical leftovers demolition and uh, but I think the band camp is the best way to go because that's supports the artists more yeah, or, or more than any of the other sites sure and uh, you can download it there or whatever for a couple bucks or whatever it is if if you like it if you don't like it just turn it off yeah <laughs> and if somebody wants to get
1: a hold of you for uh booking shows or get more information about the venue
0: uh I'm I'm I have this old email that I've had for like 25 years that I just like can't get rid of for some reason. Cause so many people have that as my contact.
1: It's not like I fucked your mom at gmail.com or anything like that.
0: No, not even that <laughs> hit. It's a hotmail account, hotmail, which who the fuck uses hotmail, but I've had it for so long that, it, and I've tried to get like a, a new Gmail account or whatever and, <laughs> I just always revert back to my old Hotmail account just because right. I'm so used to it. But it's totaled records at hotmail.com for booking. But also, my booking company is called Big Mouth Music, and I have uh, Facebook and Instagram, and you can message on either of those too. It doesn't have to be through the email, but the email is provided on those those uh, uh, social network sites. But uh, so it's pretty easy. Just type in Big Mouth Music or Redwood theater at Tracyton movie house. all the contact info will pop up wherever you know wherever you're typing it in. so pretty easy to find.
1: Yeah. Right on. Well, make sure that you uh hop on the old band camp and support Josh and the Radical Leftovers. Make sure that you support him in his uh awesome concert promotional venture there with the Redwood and uh, follow him on all the socials and do all that cool stuff that all you crazy kids do. So, Josh, this has been awesome having you here, brother. I feel like I could talk to you like for nine or ten hours straight, but you know, people would definitely be crying and leaving at that <laughs> point. So uh, glad we were finally able to make this happen. And I'm excited about what you have coming with the shows. Excited to check out your podcast when it launches and uh, really just want to be supportive to everybody in the scene. So thanks for all you do and for all you've done for the last 150 years.
0: Right on. Yeah. The, the feeling's totally mutual. Uh, I respect all the stuff you're doing too, man. Fucking Totally cool. I actually like was just like bragging about this to the barista at the, the coffee house or the coffee stand this morning. I was like, Mike's got a pretty big podcast, you know, he gets a lot of really cool people on there. I was like, I don't know why he wants to have me on here, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I really appreciate it. It has been a good talk. Uh, like you said, we could go on for hours and hours, just like different little avenues you can go down and you get on this tangent. Oh yeah. And like, where did we start that? Topic. well you know we'll, we'll
1: do this again you know in a few months we'll just kind of revisit everything check in with you see where you're at and uh you know the door is always open my brother and we're gonna just uh pay attention to what you got coming and uh, i think that the world needs it and so ladies and gentlemen and the rest of you filthy motherfuckers josh kennedy radical leftovers thank you brother thanks homie And thanks, as always, to all of you out there in the quote-unquote real world for hanging out with us in the wasteland and for showing the ungodly amount of support that keeps this show going. Don't forget to stalk us on all the social media things and subscribe on your favorite streaming service, which includes Pandora, Amazon Alexa, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and many, many more. You can also check out the full radio station, currently in beta, by downloading the Live 365 app or going to live365.com and searching for Misery Point Radio. Then prepare your earholes for a good sonic rogering with plenty of metal, punk, rock, and Americana. And speaking of raping your earholes, we're going to leave you with one more inspiring track from Radical Leftovers once again off that killer debut demo EP, Demolition. This one's called Darkness. Later.